Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke from BurkeReviews.com, and with me from across the pond is uh, The King. I mean, The King. We actually got The King to be on the episode. Uh, Matt Hudson from WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing, bub? Oh, you got me all shook up after that, John. Um, uh, well, and I'll tell you something. You ain't nothing like a hound dog. You're a good man, John. I'm very, very well. Uh, glad to be back on the BAMP after being struck down by uh, a week of illness. And John very ably took the controls last week in the oh. in the mini-sold for Lightyear. And I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I hope you enjoyed Lightyear as well. Um, but no, I'm doing all right, mate. Glad to be back on the on the BAMP train. My mustache, so how are you? Keeping Florida safe? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I was to talk about Lightyear for a second, though. I yeah, feel man. like not anyone has seen Lightyear based on their box office. Right? Like, Lightyear <laughs> is doing real bad, and I, I, I don't like it for a lot of reasons. One, I, I like Lightyear. I think Lightyear is, it's not the best Pixar, but it's definitely not bottom tier Pixar, in my opinion. No, I wouldn't call it that. And, um, the fact that Disney has not been putting Pixar theatrically, some obviously for like COVID reasons, cool, but like we've seen all the Disney animation has gone out and the Disney uh, Pixar stuff has not until this movie. And the fact that this movie is not doing well, doesn't bode well for future Pixar endeavors. Like are, is Disney going to sh- make it a Disney plus exclusive company? And that is concerning because Pixar has done some of the best animated films of all time. Uh, so if you if you are on the fence about Lightyear, listener, if you're like, oh, I don't want to see it, please, please go see it. If you like Pixar, I promise you'll at least enjoy Lightyear a little bit. It's got flaws for sure, mm-hmm. but it's it's still got the Pixar magic to me. And I I really liked it as a movie. Um, a few things that I, I've heard different ways that you can kind of if it, if it bothers you, the, the way it's altering the continuity from the original Toy Story, you could think of this as like a gritty uh, remake, which if if Andy became a filmmaker, maybe this is the movie he would make Buzz Lightyear into like the Zack Snyder cut of Lightyear um, or, you know, don't worry about that. You know, just watch this movie for this movie because you really can like it. They didn't even need to connect it to Andy at all for the movie itself to work. Like it's not relying on you knowing the character. It's not relying on you being familiar with toy story mm-hmm. in any way. And so you can just, if you just take it for what it is, I think it's a pretty solid movie. Um, it's very enjoyable. And yeah, I, again, I have no, no uh, stakes in this. Uh, we technically, we have the box office movie uh, game going on with Matt, myself <laughs> and Big Tuna. I'm currently winning, apparently. Uh, really? According to so Tuna, yeah. Uh, the I way because sorry, <laughs> the way yeah, it was very surprised. It hurt a little bit. Um, but keep in mind, we there's several movies that have not hit the box office yet that are on our list. So, uh, Nope is still on all of our list. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, which is the the last movie I think from the summer that could potentially be number one. It probably won't be number one for the summer. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like Top Gun's going to hold that. I mean, you're woohooing, but none of us picked it that high, and oh, two picked true, it higher yeah. than both of us. Um, oh, I love the know. movie, but as far as the game goes, we we chose badly. Uh, which you know, we 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 borrowed this game from the Slash Filmcast. Uh, it's just the Filmcast now, but uh, they also like almost nobody picked Top Gun that high. So like, it, it's it's definitely messing up scores. Um, but depending on how things play out, uh, Tuna thinks I'm I'm kind of not locked, but. I'm I'm in a good position to actually win for the first time. Jesus, I was gonna um, say, that's the first time we've done yeah. kind of leagues or rankings or points based games before. And sadly for John, great for me, John usually ends up in the 
well the bottom tier of the yeah. games and it's usually tuna or myself fighting out for that top spot not necessarily even down to any kind of in my case anyway movie knowledge it's usually just good luck but uh i, I am kind of uh heart warmed though to see you up the top there and with uh with a view to winning because then you get to set us the challenge for better or worse yeah yeah and i've i've had to watch some stinking terrible movies uh <laughs> I, I was kind, I think. You were. Uh, I, I had to watch The Exorcist 2. Yep, The uh, Heretic, yep. Yeah, but, uh, which was, it was bad, but it was like, it wasn't interesting bad. Like, I was like intrigued about the filmmaking and some of the choices, and like, it's pretty wild. There's some wild stuff in that movie. Um, so it wasn't like a bad experience to watch that one. But yeah, I, I've lost a lot uh, of these games. I When I used to just play with Corey and Mike, on the top five movie, I won all the time, but now, yeah, uh, I, I've up my, my, uh, level of movie nerds in the competition and nerds. you guys are a little better at it. Um, we, we, uh, listeners, you know, there's a, a trendy game called Wordle. That's it's yes. now like a year into it. Um, and for movie nerds, there are several movie based daily games that have become <laughs> my obsession. Yes. Uh, Tuna, Matt, we all play them. I, we probably should share them in a group chat instead of just individually so that Would you make and Tuna more can sense. compare. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, you and Tuna never see how you, each other are doing. But uh, just if you're, you're listening to this podcast, you're probably also a movie nerd. So if you're not already, um, we should also start posting our scores maybe on uh, on our Instagram. Like maybe we can do like a side by side to show people how we're doing. Let's um, but on Instagram. Yeah, uh, framed.wtf uh, is one uh, where it shows a picture and you have to guess what movie it's from based on the picture. You get six attempts, six different images. Uh, movie doodle, movie, movie doodle, movie doodle. Movie doodle, yep. Um, that one is, uh, they, they condense the movie into like, what is it, three, one second or three seconds or something? Uh, it starts with uh, one second. Well, uh, it's about a, f- a few seconds and then it goes up by one second with each skip or unsuccessful yeah. guess. It's wild because sometimes I have no clue and my attention like zones out where I'm like, I didn't see anything. I saw nothing in that playthrough. Sometimes and then other times one one's clip, which you just catch and recognize it's happened maybe three times where the title card is in the, in the video. And yes. it's like, oh, well there's the movie. There's the movie. Like, um, uh, post riddle, um, where it shows the uh, scrambled version of the movie poster, which today's, uh, I you you beat me, which is rare for I the poster. Never, never do. Well, I I looked at the, the the colors and I was like, oh, it's Pulp Fiction. Yes, yes, like, yes, exactly. And after three seconds, I was like, no, I know what it is. It's either it's either Dark Phoenix, Aladdin, or or the Force Awakens. Like, it's and that's why I, that's why you beat me because I was like, this is a trick. It's going to be either Aladdin or Dark Phoenix, and <laughs> um, I waited till I could see shapes, and then I was like, oh, dang it, I should. I knew right away which it was one of those three of movies, <laughs> um, and then. Uh, there's Actorly, which is the Ooh, I like of the ones one. we've listed. It's it's definitely more challenging. Um, today was not that hard for me, though, actually. Uh, if there's Marvel movies, I can usually, especially if you've been playing it for a while, you know who they've already used. Um, yes. And so, like, process of elimination, I was like, well, it's not any of those Avengers, because most of the big Avengers have been used at this point. I have um, a strategy when it comes to that game, and nine times out of ten, it it works an absolute treat. That's, that's the one game out of the six or seven that's the one i love the most well i like that one i love hollywood which is basically six degrees of kevin bacon but with random actors i I love it it. i I, know i like it but i sometimes like yesterday there's one i think i mean yesterday i had like 20 moves like 15 degrees of separation i I don't know the answer to this i was meant to ask you what it was 
uh well i don't i honestly they go away after the next day but um yes. but like one day this week this is where i don't like the game is sometimes their actor selections are so random they had a, elon musk was one of the, the <laughs> actors the other day and i was like what he's in like in I, I didn't know he was in iron man too uh the, thank goodness for the hint but once yeah. i got there i was like well this is easy um but it was wild like have like, like basically a non-actor like show up in a game that's like you're like connecting Mark actors. uh yes but again that was easy for me because uh the hangover i i was very i used that with- one first i put the hangover in and then because it is the mike tyson to vincent d'onofrio and i thought well i'll do the hangover and i was like well it's got to be bradley cooper and then i couldn't work out for the life of me what they'd starred in together uh I went from that to Wedding Crashers because Cooper's in oh. Wedding Crashers with Vince Vaughn and Vincent D'Onofrio plays Vince Vaughn's brother in The Breakup. I and went through a very strict Vince Vaughn uh, fandom in the early aughts. Like, I was very into Vince Vaughn comedies. Um, so, yeah, uh, easy for easy one for me. Um, I always suck at that game so badly. Always. Like, once or twice, maybe, I've nailed it, but that is the one where I always end up putting my fist through the screen because... It's one it, when when you find the answer out, you kind of think, oh, of course, yeah, I, I get it yeah. now. But during it, I'm like, Christ, there's about there's like this guy's done like 300 films. Which one do I pick to to use next? Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last game that we play is from the, my favorite podcast, Blank Check Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the box office game. It yeah. is box office. Uh, I think it's I, I don't have the URL because I just have it saved mega? on my phone. What's wrong with that box office mega? But uh, worst case, you can search box office game daily or something, and it should pop up. Yeah, box office, box office ga dot me. So box office gap dot me, and that's inspired by uh, the game that they play at the end of every episode of Blank Check because Griffin has basically he reads the box office every week. So he has like a lot of them memorized or at mm-hmm. least in the ballpark. Um, and this game gives you hints. There's, you can earn up to 200 points per correct guess, um, but you lose those points or you can spend those points by getting hints. And it's almost essential unless you are really good at specific dates. Um, I uh, am up and down on that game. I'm usually pretty good. I, I, yes. I'm usually happy if I can at least guess all five movies. There's been yeah. a couple days this week where I, I'm like, I've never heard of this movie ever like i didn't know that was a thing um, i think that's the that's the game where john and myself we kind of alternate over who gets the most points each day um, maybe on a monday i will the next day john will and then i'll get the next it, that's quite fun to see kind of measure how well i'm doing against jb and it, it's surprising as well how often you look at a, an actor pairing like what actors one and actors two mm. oh yeah i know that immediately or just like a director or a or a tagline is enough for you to know the film even if you don't know what month of that year it came out sometimes even the studio is a giveaway yeah and the, the yes the, very much um and the fun thing for me t- with that too and by listener with the, that game they give you a specific day and year so like it's yes uh may 2nd 2020 or whatever and so that's the it's it's almost always a friday um but uh uh, it's fun seeing the cultural differences too, because Major League was one of the answers the other day, and I found that Matt had never even really heard of me. It was Major League Two. I apologize. Major League Thank Two you. was the answer, um, but you had never heard of it, and I was just like, "What?" Like that was the on regular rotation on HBO for me as a kid. Like I watched that all the time. Um, no, you're I, right. I as I kind of extol to JB Major League Baseball, baseball in general, including like what they play in the Far East. It's not very big over here. I think Channel Five over here sometimes plays it during this. Will play it during the season, regular season and playoffs. But NFL was massive over here because obviously they have a couple of uh, regular season games held in London each year. 
Um, NBA is very, very big over here as well. And, you know, NHL, if, if you pay X amount of money a month, you can watch it on one of the sports channels, which I try, which I do. Um, so I haven't, so, but, but I've seen a lot of sports movies growing up, whether that's, um, hockey, football, as in you guys is football. Um, I've seen some fo- baseball games, obviously, like a, a league of their own and stuff like that. But the, I looked at the, the box office for that film and Major League and it only had domestic gross. And, you know, this is in the, what, the late 80s, maybe. So they would have had an international gross assigned to it. So I wondered if it even had like proper international distribution. Obviously, I can probably go to the late, the nearest HMV or something and pick it up on DVD Blu-ray. But yep. at the time, at the time, I wonder how... Um, widely it was released if anyone was around then do let me know well that inspired me though uh, i have not published these yet but i'm going on my letterbox and i'm doing my favorite baseball movies my favorite basketball movies my favorite football movies i think i'll do hockey and i think i'll do soccer um good good and then i will uh do like my top five overall sports films and like what, a, what about um, sports. what about a combat sports like wrestling and mma and boxing mixed together oh I might do combat sports because that's, I mean, that one's going to be a long list though. Cause there's a lot Damn, of movies in that genre. It's going to um, be great. Cause warrior is so yeah. good, which I just <laughs> watched. Um, I still haven't watched the fighter though. Uh, the fighter's the good. The warrior was but, the one that actually got me thinking about it. Cause I want to yeah. rewatch that film. Oh, that movie's so Damn, good, man. Such a, um, and that surprised me. Cause I, it was yeah. like, it's on Netflix over here. And I remember being up in Essex and sitting there thinking, what, what should we watch tonight? And, Oh, look, you know, Tom Hardy's in this film, and I knew of Joel Edgerton. Oh, Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton. Well, let's watch it. It's on Netflix. At the time, it was about four or five years old. Oh, man. Damn, Did I remember it, coming out thinking, it, what a great film. I mean, even that, you, you can add the whole Karate Kid trilogy, because there's tournaments, the yeah, center yeah. of the Karate Kid's tournaments. So, I mean, that's that's that one would be yeah, pretty extensive, but maybe, maybe I'll add that, too. The um, Wrestler. Uh, oh, love The Wrestler. Now, mm-hmm. does that count? Because it's it's... It's the wrestling in that is fake sports entertainment films, then. right? So, oh. <laughs> um, there's a few of those. Uh, Ready to Rumble, come on, man. David Arquette fighting for my family, w, guys. Uh, oh, such a good movie, yeah, dude. man. Freaking Florence Pugh, though. What what has she done wrong? Um, Not she is my, even in the one community, of my she was good. Yeah, I forget, I always forget she's in that one, like that. Yes. But that movie is one of the better Liam Neeson films, in <laughs> yeah. my opinion. Um, yeah, I didn't yeah, no. like that one. Yeah, um, what a good idea that I might have to jump on the bandwagon for that. I would love that's why I bring it up, man. Games, uh, um, um, watches. So, with that, we're not here to talk about any of the things we just talked about. We're actually here <laughs> to talk about Boz Lerman's new film, Elvis. Um, Elvis is in theaters everywhere right now. It's mm-hmm. written and directed uh, by Boz Lerman, but he has a couple of co writers Sam Bromwell, Craig Pierce. Uh, it stars. Tom Hanks. You might think because he's billed first that he's playing Elvis Presley, but he is not. Um, an interesting film. Yes. Uh, Austin Butler, Olivia De, De, De Jong. De Jong, yeah. Name. De Jong, De Jong. Um, but I'm a big fan of her. I want to mm. give a shout out to uh, Chris Peckover and his movie Better Watch Out. Yes. An incredible horror film. Um, and he, uh, that was where I be- became a fan of hers. Yeah, I did. Um, he, very cool guy. And uh She's also in The Visit before that, but uh, to me, Better Watch Out is where she really got to shine. Um, uh, Helen Thompson, Richard Roxburgh, Kelvin Harrison Jr., uh, who he keeps popping up in a lot of stuff. He's a really good actor. David Wenham, Cody Smith-McPhee, which I was like watching Mm -hmm. him. I'm like, is that 
Yeah. Is that the power of the dog guy? And then um, Luke <laughs> Bracey, and then uh, Doc Reed Montgomery, if you've been watching Stranger Things, uh, he's power in season Rangers two going. season three, and he's also in Power Rangers. Yeah. Um, and he's also, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like he was in Bohemian Rhapsody, too. Yes, he was. Um, so he, popping up in these musical biopics is like... Uh, you know, side characters um, from his childhood in tu- Tupelo, oh boy, Tupelo, Mississippi, Tupelo. Tupelo there you go. Uh, to this, to his rise to stardom, starting in Memphis, Tennessee, and his conquering of Las Vegas, Nevada. That's necessary. We don't know where Las Vegas is. Um, <laughs> Elvis Presley becomes the first rock and roll star and changes the world with his music. Seventy nine percent RT, sixty three mm-hmm. Metascore, seven point nine IMDb user score, three point six on Letterbox. Now. Going into this, folks, uh, we are going to kind of talk spoilers because this is based on the real life of Elvis Presley. Um, Usually we save spoilers for a separate episode, but Matt and I felt like it's hard to talk about this movie without talking about things that happened in real life that most people are going to be familiar with. Or if you're not, which is the claim that I've heard Baz Luhrmann make why he wanted to make this was that there's too many people who don't know about Elvis Presley. Um, Okay. Uh, which I think is accurate though. I think uh, keep in mind, I teach high school. Um, I would say like a lot of my high school kids know the Beatles, but don't talk about Elvis Presley. Okay, um, I take it. I retract that, um, bemused statement. And I think that's partly because there's a lot of media about the Beatles. And while the Beatles music is old, we still have Paul McCartney active in the world and Ringo Starr is still around. <laughs> yes. Um, so, Elvis is like the American dream, isn't he? He's like the the American rock and roll king. He's the king. I mean, but he becomes the American nightmare where we get fat and I die guess. on the toilet. Um, yes, yeah. yeah, he, he has a lot of um, infamy uh, alongside his actual fame. And I, I think when I was growing up, uh, there was still a lot of people claiming he was alive. And there were still like you would see on the tabloids at, like the, at the grocery store, Elvis cited and things like that. But that's no longer a claim that you hear at least not at the same level that it was when I was a kid. So like younger people, I think have lost uh, familiarity with him. Keep in mind too, that uh, John Carpenter did a TV series in the late seventies yeah. with Kurt Russell. Uh, Kurt Russell as Elvis. And so that was still like getting replayed on TV at the time. There's, there's not a lot there. Elvis has become more of a icon in movies and cinema. Like he's referenced and he's, he's mocked more often than he's revered. I would say in, uh, media like modern media you know like when when we hear fat elvis as an expression he's depicted in like these other iconography as a gigantic fat man where he was just a little overweight from what i've seen in real life like he wasn't the fat guy that you see him being portrayed as in cartoons or in uh caricatures and other films so boz made that claim and i think to be fair having grown up with awareness of Elvis, I've never really listened to his music. I was a Beatles fan. I never got into Elvis. My uncles groomed me to listen to the Beatles. Like they would take me to the nearest Sam Ash music store, which was about an hour away. And the whole car ride there when I was like 11 years old was listening to the Beatles. Not Mm -hmm. once did they ever make me listen to Elvis Presley. Um, So most of the Elvis songs I know through osmosis or like through references to other things like leaving Las Vegas. Um, and obviously his music has appeared in tons of stuff, but I've never oh, like cool. listened yeah. to an Elvis album. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am a big Baz Luhrmann fan though. I, I love Romeo plus Juliet. I used to teach Romeo and Juliet when I taught ninth grade English and I would always show that movie. 
um i i as a kid it was my cousin's like favorite because she loved leonardo dicaprio and i had a v a vcr in my bedroom so she would ask can we watch it in your room because like, mm-hmm. the, the living room tv was occupied um so i watched that movie a lot as a kid had no idea it was Baz Luhrmann at the time uh, i just recently watched moulin rouge for the first time um, oh what a and, treat it, right and uh really also i liked um his gatsby uh, mm-hmm. I like the anachronistic use of music, which he brings into this as well. There's some really cool hip hop music in this uh, that I thought was a cool learning. I mean, that's the thing about Elvis for me, this movie, Elvis, not the singer, but the film Elvis is the Boz Lerman of it all. I, I like his kinetic mm-hmm. wild style and it is all over this film. Like there is Boz Lerman fingerprints, every, every frame of this movie. And for me, it made it very engaging, very entertaining, even at the two and a half hour runtime, which I do think a little long. I think it could have been trimmed down a little bit. There's a few mm-hmm. scenes that I feel are a little redundant. Um, but I, I really loved all of the filmmaking stuff in this movie. I thought it was wild. Even the stuff that I think was maybe uh, superfluous, I still enjoyed because I like that about, I expect that from Baz Luhrmann. And I thought this movie really delivered that. Um, one of the things I love most, my wife actually really wanted to see this. So like, I didn't go to the critic screening. I waited to go see it with her. Mm-hmm. And um, about halfway through the film, uh, she leaned over to me and it was when Tom Hanks was on screen as Colonel James Parker. Yep. And she goes, he's the penguin. <laughs> and I started, I really found it amusing because she has not seen Matt Reeves, the Batman. So she has not seen Colin Farrell's penguin, but she's spot on. Like Tom makes his man. Yeah. It's the prosthetics. And even his, like his kind of demeanor, granted he's got more of a Southern, like this is like, what if the penguin was from the South? Um, Via Holland. But he's, he's even got the cane, right? Like he's rocking the cane <laughs> and the canes have clowns on them. They might as well be penguins. Like, you know, it's, it's like, it, it's, I was, a, I was like, wow, this guy's like the real life penguin. And, he kind of is, man. He's a horrible person when you really mm-hmm. boil down to how he treats Elvis, um, which was wild to have Tom Hanks in that role. But I think Hanks is really good in it. Um, even if some of his his speech patterns, I don't know. I've never heard Colonel James Parker speak, so I don't know if the speech patterns were Hanks's um, idea or if that's actually like accurate to the, the real life person. But um, Austin Butler coming out of nowhere and just owning the hell out of being Elvis Presley, man. Like I thought he was terrific. Um, I am again, not a huge Elvis fan, so I don't know how off he is, but to me, he was charismatic. I was completely like, wow, this guy, what an entertainer. And I know it's supposed to be. And if that's what I was supposed to take away from this, it did give me an appreciation of, of Elvis Presley that I've never had. I've never had the intrigue to go and listen to his music and this made me want not only to listen to music, but I kind of want to watch the TV special that we see them making in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I haven't yet, but I, I'm compelled to do that. It was something I've never had the interest in doing previously. Um, I thought Olivia De Jong was really good too. Um, there's some really cool sequences. I think the music works really, really well. Again, the Lerman of it all really worked for me. I found this to be super engaging, super entertaining. Um, and my wife also big fan uh, of the film. Um, I think if you don't like Lerman's style or if you don't like a lot of kinetic, wild editing camera uh, movements, multiple shots on screen at the same time, because he goes comic, literal comic book at one point, but um, which ties into the Presley backstory of Shazam and all that. But I, I found this movie to be really, really compelling. It is a by the numbers mu- musical biopic. So if you've seen like uh, Dewey Cox, um, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, um, Matt, 
before we started recording, I said I bought four movies today. I that bought was it. I, no, but it's walked the line. <laughs> um, <laughs> he couldn't I, remember I, for the life of him what it was. I couldn't remember. It just popped in. I was like, ah, oh, that's why it was uh, the movie that basically Dewey Cox is the complete parody of uh, Walk the Line, <laughs> but it's also a parody of all. It skewers the musical biopic and and the same idea because that is one thing about my one criticism about this film is it is uh, it's not even a real criticism because I'm not against this, but this is the type of musical biopic where they are not interested in showing the bad side of the the musician as much as they are trying to show you how influential and how impactful their career in music is. And the Bohemian Rhapsody was the same way. I think Rocket Man was very similar to that, although mm-hmm. Rocket Man was a little more candid about some of the the Elton so, John. Yeah. Um but like Bohemian Rhapsody had no interest in the darker side of Queen. They wanted to Queen is a band that we should revere and love and and remember uh it's like a mythology. Music, right? music only. Yes. And yeah, that's, that's what, what this saying. is doing for the for Elvis. It is showing the maybe shining a light on Colonel James Parker, but it's not shining that same light on Elvis. It is definitely looking at Elvis as like an, an um, a mythic figure. He is mm-hmm. a Greek god to us, and we should remember him as such. Um, I don't really mind that if you are aware of that. If you f- think that this is a representation of the real life person that he was only manipulated, he did nothing wrong, he was not a bad guy. Like, there's a few little like throwaway lines where it indicates that he's not a perfect person, but it doesn't get into a lot of the controversies that people have brought up outside of the movie. Yeah. And I think that's a worthy thing to be aware of. I don't, it didn't stop my enjoyment of the movie, but it is like, well, if you're going to go this, like by the numbers, maybe we should really dive into some of this more, a little more uh, deep and not just focus on the talent. But it's, it's again, I think if you're aware of what the movie's doing, uh, you can look past that. So that's my take. Sorry to go so uh, long on it, Matt. What did you think of Elvis? I could listen to you talk all day, John. I've done that for the last four or five years now. Um, I really liked Elvis. I really liked this film. I remember commenting to you that I saw the trailer. It, the trailer was played in front of every film I've seen in the last eight weeks at least. And, just, you know, the first time I saw it, a few people in the audience were chuckling a bit at the kind of at Austin Butler's Elvis and Tom Hanks's um colonel parker i think more so because it was so in your face it's like you know this guy kind of looks like elvis but he's doing the voice mm-hmm. and then but then the more the, and the, at the first time i saw it i was also a bit kind of taken back at, at it like oh man i'm not sure about this the more i saw of the trailers the more i got into the idea of this and and the fact that it's a Baz Luhrmann film certainly helped out as well, because I think, like you said, this has got all the trappings and stylistic choices of a Baz Luhrmann film. If you don't, if you're not really down with Baz Luhrmann style, you, I think you're going to have issues throughout this film. Similarly to if you don't like a Quentin Tarantino style, you may not like his newest films, for example, but it's yeah. that kind of thing. Baz Luhrmann has that signature, he has that stamp and it works for some, it works for others. And it doesn't always work all the time for me either, but here, for the most part, it does. I think Elvis is uh, a fantastic film. Uh, I think you're right as well. One of the things I took was I think Baz Luhrmann is more concerned with the myth of Elvis Presley than yeah. the real life story of Elvis. We, we get some of that here. We, it's not, this isn't just a sure. flight of fancy, but there are you know there's. It, I think the interesting framing device where this is this film is pretty much told from the Colonel's point of view. From you know, in one form or another, this is shown from Colonel Tom Parker's view, um, and it, by doing that, I think 
it gives Baz Luhrmann the opportunity to kind of, you know, move away or shy away from some of the dodgier aspects of Elvis's life because, you know, maybe Parker wouldn't have known about that. Therefore, let's just not talk about that. Like, for example, the age gap when he met 14-year-old Priscilla and things like that. They never really mentioned that. They just call her a teen in this film. Um, But, yeah, I... I, Um, Can I hop in just for a second? Of course, my friend. uh, Tuna, one of the things he pointed out, too, with the, the issue with the framing device is what you just said is also violated. So, like... If you use the framing device so that he wouldn't know certain things, there are things in this movie that you're like, wow, how would Colonel Parker have known that if he's the Good one point. telling yeah. the story? So it, it, it's it's such a loose rule that he's flying by. But it's again, it's it's there for style and not for like actual substance or like I think so, accuracy. Yeah. But yeah, it is again, if you're going to go with a framing device like that, it does it limits your perspective to what would make sense for him to know like all of the flashback scenes of elvis at the car like listening to like the the you know looking through the wall at the jazz singer um playing in the the club or Mm -hmm. going to the revival colonel parker wouldn't have been there for that it doesn't mean he wouldn't have heard about it but he you know for us to see it when he's telling the story it it's it's almost like he's an omnipotent uh uh narrator um but also is grounded as a character in the film. So it, that's why it doesn't fully work. Um, but it's, again, it's a style choice, so I'm not going to harp on it, but that is, uh, I think it's a, a another thing someone could get critical about the film on. But style. Yeah, yeah. No, no, of course, my friend. No, if, if, if Baz Luhrmann came out one day and said, oh, yeah, that, this is the reason why we went for that, then, yeah, you have to abide by the rules that you set up if that was yep. the case. But now that you've kind of brought that up, you do it does make me think, huh, maybe that, maybe... You know, the, that could have been part of their thinking, but at the same time, maybe it wasn't. Because for the, for a lot of the time, this film feels like a dream. It feels quite trippy. At certain points, feel very trippy. But it's a dreamy kind of movie in the same way that Rocket Man was as well. That film was a was like a biopic on acid at times where mm-hmm. you've got the story of the, the the main character. But, you know, they took some liberties and they took some liberties here as well. You know, it's factually accurate for the most part even if certain things that are depicted on screen didn't happen at the times that they are shown on screen there's nothing really here which didn't take place so uh that i i found that to be quite um i enjoyed that i thought as a positive for the screenwriter so they didn't just make any old story up to fit their uh narrative though they have taken liberties at some points um i think yeah austin butler is is, is superb and I do like Elvis's music, and I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a, like a mega fan, and but I like Elvis's songs, uh, a lot of his music, and not just you know the, the main hits. I like some of his other stuff as well. I can't say the same for his films, mind, but um, but Austin Butler really gets it. He get, he nails that persona, he nails her charisma. I know he sings quite a lot of the songs, and some of them are augmented with actual Elvis performances and and voice as well. But he's a superstar, man. I know so many people have said that, but this is a superstar performance from Austin Butler. And there, there's only ever going to be one Elvis Presley. You know, you, you can't try to be Elvis. And Austin Butler, he, he he becomes his own kind of Elvis, where he is recognizably the king of rock and roll. But he's not doing a performance. It's not a parody. It's not an impersonation. He, he The spirit of Elvis is flowing through uh, Austin Butler when he's certainly when he's performing because my favorite parts of this film for the most part are the performances you know the very first one which has been shown in the trailer you know, his vegas performance the first one there as well superb some of the piano led in tracks you know like sad elvis songs he does 
I like them. They're good. Um, mm-hmm. do feel a bit melancholic at time. And there's a scene towards the end with him, with Elvis and Priscilla, which I think is just fantastic. It's superb. It's emotional. Austin Butler is excellent in this scene, as is Olivia Dion. It's a moment. It's a moment in time for the film where it sits down and it has an emotional moment between two people who are almost larger than life characters in reality. But it's a look behind the window, a look behind the veil, and I think that is one of the best scenes I've seen uh, this year. Simply, and um, I think uh, overall, though, there's not an awful lot I didn't like about this film, JB. Apart from the one thing that I didn't. Well, there's two things actually. One of them is. And this is a this is a Lerman staple. I didn't always think the use of the contemporary music worked that well, or mm. I think sometimes it was at odds with what was happening on screen. The one that came to me was when Elvis is uh, in Bill Street and they're playing Doja Cat. I don't think that it didn't sit right for me. It didn't work well for me. Um, but then later on in the film, they play Toxic Britney Spears over the the montage of movies, and I was like, you know, this works well. So sometimes the contemporaries of music didn't quite work for me and um oh i'm gonna i feel so bad for saying this but i just couldn't vibe too much with tom hanks's performance man i mean i said Uh beforehand that he felt and sounded a bit like rafiki from the lion king for me and there was just something about it it felt too scenery cheering at times for me and Mm. it, it, it it just felt uh distracting because i know it's tom hanks and, yeah. and, uh, and that shouldn't be used to beat the film with necessarily that, oh, I couldn't believe the character. But there was something like the you know, the, the line deliveries. Uh, I think the character, how he was portrayed in the film as the, the villain who who is the villain or the antagonist who is trying to like keep, like prove to the world that he isn't the villain. And, you know, he's, he's trying to kind of make us see his point of view, even though it's still wrong. Um I like that idea, but there's just something about Tom Hanks's performance, which at times took me out, certainly on a um, scene in a carnival. They're on a carousel. I know that for one, and it's very metaphorical where they are, but some of the emotion was lost for me in those scenes with Tom Hanks. Not not to say it was a bad performance or he's never good in it, because there are moments where he is decent in it, but overall, I felt that was the most distracting part of the film for me, but you know, the, the, the music scenes, the, the concert scenes, some of the smaller or intimate moments of the film, um, were superb. You know, there's when he sings, if I can dream during the NBC special, I was like, this is, this is it, man. This is, I was just, this is big screen stuff. And that's the best, yeah. well, probably one of the things I can say about this film is this is big screen stuff. This is cinematic yes. as hell um yeah, big time big I'd time love to, I, hey look i'm looking forward to watching it on on blu-ray but there's you know the the, the music the sound mixing the the visuals like i said the, the kind of trippy dreamy atmosphere this is big screen stuff and if in what eight months time austin Butler isn't nominated at the oscars it'll be a it'll be a hell of a shame because i genuinely think this is a superstar turn i think he becomes the character i think he gets the character and i think he nails the part um but everybody by olivia de Jong, i think she's very good as well i don't want to undersell her performance in this tom hanks i'm kind of on the fence with but um yeah other than a few scenes here and there which i thought were a bit overdone like the, the death of Elvis's mother i thought that was a bit schwartzy the way yeah. that was handled but for the most part though I had no issues, and this film I think was superb. I'm I'm living La Vida Loca at the minute with some of the films we're getting to see, like Top Gun, Maverick, 
uh, and now this, uh, you know, I'm having a good time going to the cinema, dude. So Elvis gets uh, two thumbs up, some blue suede shoes, some like snake hips, and all that good stuff, and a and a uh, a raised lip from me. I really, really enjoyed this, dude. <laughs> Where, yeah, where's your I, Elvis I impression? Been... Oh, um, I, I ain't nothing but a hound dog. Yeah, That's... that'll do. Yeah. Um, I guess I can do. <laughs> I've never liked the vibrato in his Christmas music. Like it's so much. Um, he is a blarder than life character. And yeah, another thing about this film is it never, it, it doesn't dwell too much on the depressing for me. Like, it, it, we all know Elvis Presley passed away at a young age, but the film doesn't delve into the, like, the, the, the seedy things. It doesn't, you don't see anything which is, which will make you sad or upset. You know, the way they handle the passing of Elvis, I think it's done tastefully in this. It's not, there aren't really many scenes here which are manipulative or, or anything like that. Yeah, no, I, I didn't feel like that either. Um, again, I think some of those details, like the age of, of Priscilla being completely overlooked um, is problematic, but yeah, uh, well, she's still yeah. alive as well. So, what I guess, what can you say as well? What, how far do you want to step that line? Well, it's not a criticism of her, though. Like, she's no, not. No, no, no. Of know, course, but it's so, the questions that will be raised. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. What, what was their thinking behind it? Because you know, Baz Luhrmann doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would sidestep controversy if it if it if it got in the way of telling his story. So, um, it's an interesting one. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that's our review folks of Elvis. Uh, it's again in theaters right now, Matt said it best. This is a big screen movie. If you can see it, if you have any interest in watching this movie and you haven't already, you got to see it on the best screen you can. Unfortunately, I don't think it was getting IMAX because it was still competing with uh Lightyear and Jurassic world. And, I think it was. Yeah. Top um, I, I think seeing this in a Dolby theater would have been fantastic. Dude, the music. Yeah. Um, but again, I think that's unfortunate. It's not getting that kind of a, a, a run, but um, Matt and I both really liked it. Again, yep. if you are against Elvis Presley, if you don't like musical biopics, you're probably not going to like this movie. If you don't like Boz Lerman, you're definitely not going to like this movie because he's just everywhere. Um, <laughs> not physically, but like his his voice his is style. Uh, yeah, it's. But for me, that just makes it super entertaining. So I was all in on that part of it. But um, are, you, are you lonesome tonight? Go and watch Elvis. Yeah, last Elvis pun, I promise. Okay. Oh, ouch. Um. So. <laughs> That leads us to, uh, we're back to our normal format. So we're going to chopped headlines. Um, this is uh, movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. Matt, what headline grabbed your eye this week? Uh, I've gone for a slightly depressing headline, <laughs> the headline because it's about a Netflix film. It's about a Russo's Brothers Netflix film. Uh, Chris Pratt is in talks to join Millie Bobby Brown in the Endgame director's new movie, The Electric State, which is going to... Um, Netflix, it's a sci-fi thriller set in a retro futuristic past that centers on an orphan teenager as she travels through the American West, West in the hopes of finding her brother. And she's got to survive the bizarre new world with the help of a sweet but mysterious robot and an eccentric drifter. So, you know, Millie Bobby Brown, Chris Pratt, fine. But Netflix, the Russos, I mean, the Russos are coming out swinging with the Grey Man soon. Which is going to can't wait. Um, I same here. I mean, there's me saying that about the Russos and Netflix, but you know, Ryan Gosling, uh, Chris Evans, the uh, and everybody else in that film, The Grey Man. I really, really hope it is as good as you know it really should be. But there's something about this film, and also let's not forget 
um, Millie Bobby Brown outside of Stranger Things. She did those awful Godzilla films. And right. she did Enola Holmes, which was another Netflix film. And I was talking recently with Luke, my Star Wars Sessions co-host, because the rumours were that Millie Bobby Brown was being lined up for a role in the galaxy far, far away, that there was a $12 million offer on the table. And I was saying, let's, let, let, let's pump the brakes here. Stranger Things, fine. What else has Millie Bobby Brown done to kind of garner that kind of salary other than being like a, a role model or someone that, you know, the youngsters look up to, which is great, but her body of work isn't exactly excellent. Uh, but I think she's an up and coming talented actress and, you know, starring in a sci-fi film like this on Netflix may not be the best way for her to show that, but it was more just the case of the reason I picked this was the Russo brothers and Netflix, my friend seem to be having a, a little bit of, a, of an affair at the minute. And yeah, they had obviously an Apple TV with cherry as well, but they've gone from the biggest film of all time now to kind of flexing their muscles on the streaming services. Um, so Chris Bat, Millie Bobby Brown in a f- retro futuristic sci-fi Netflix film. I, I really don't have any hopes for this, but what about what do you think about more so about the Russo brothers deciding to go down a streaming route, having done you know, some of the biggest films ever? I think it speaks volumes about what Netflix allows their filmmakers to do. Mm-hmm. Um, why we're seeing so many filmmakers sign exclusive contracts. I mean, it started with Adam Sandler. Right. I believe yes. he was the first like exclusive, like he, all of his happy Madison stuff was going straight to Netflix, but uh, Scorsese uh, did Irishman and is his next movie also Netflix or is it finally going away from that? Um, I think it is Netflix. Um, oh, but, no, that, oh, Scorsese, sorry. Uh, Apple TV. Uh, okay. Oh, but see again, a streaming service. Right. And I think we're going to see a lot of sh- people shifting to Apple TV. Apple TV seems to be willing to give a lot of money to let them have freedom. That's what it comes down to. Studios control. Um, what it seems like Netflix is pretty loosey goosey with that. Like here, they're, here's the money, make your thing. Ryan Johnson's doing it. What? At least two knives out movies for Netflix. Uh, yeah. Was it called Un- uh, glass onion is the name of the, the sequel. next one. Yeah. But I think there's another one coming. There is another uh, one. Yes, yeah, yeah. Another Ben um, Blanc mystery. So, you know, I think it's Netflix giving uh freedom to these filmmakers that they don't get in the studio system. And, um, Obviously, the Russos worked under the, one of the most intense studio systems because Marvel, as we know, is the Feige production. Feige is really the showrunner. Yes. Um, and the Russos did three of, I think, arguably some of our favorite Marvel movies. I love Win- uh, Winter Soldier so much. I like that one, um, yep. And then I, I'm a huge, I was super impressed with Infinity War and Endgame. I know that's hit or miss uh, with some people. But. Yeah, I preferred Infinity War vastly. Endgame's fine, but I much preferred Infinity War, how they but managed I, to cram everyone in satisfactory yeah. to that film I, mean, I felt that way with uh endgame too but i thought they did yeah, it in yeah. a really fun way i love the whole time travel back to the future element um but yeah so uh, you know i'm not surprised that maybe they wanted to back away plus 21 bridges was such a flop which uh, i don't think they directed right did they i don't produce? think they did i think they produced it yeah but that's still within the studio system so maybe we're seeing them shifting to netflix because they want a little more freedom with uh the process you know and if that's what these streaming services are going to give our filmmakers um i hate the idea that we're not going to get to see some of these movies on the big screen because i do like the theatrical experience but i also like that these streaming services are allowing the 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 mid-budget movies that the studios aren't making studios are either doing the huge budget that it has to be a sure thing ip that they feel like is going to get butts and seats or it has to be um 
you know, like uh, a very, very low budget, like 20 million or less. Um, and that's usually going to a 24 or Blumhouse and still not one of the major studios, but everything in that middle tier of like, you know, 40 to a hundred million, they're just not making anymore. And it looks like the streaming services are willing to do that. So if, if that's where we're going to get these, you know, more intimate personal films that these filmmakers actually want to make, then let's do that. You know, let's make that a thing. Yeah, man. And stuff, stuff like the gray man is getting a, a limited theatrical release, which I'm, I'm excited to see. And I see, I don't mind that kind of, um, that, that deal, that agreement that if, you know, these big films of these big actors are in, if I can see them on the big screen, like the gray man, maybe I'll get more out of it than I would seeing it at home. And like most people have a half decent setup now, but like we mentioned with Elvis, sometimes you can't replicate that at home. But, um, and what about a the film then? Millie Bobby Brown, Chris Pratt, sci-fi, futuristic thriller set in the past. So Obviously, I like, we, you know, context is everything. We don't really know much about it. Yeah. All I know, what, what was it called? The Electric? The Electric State. I think it's uh, based on a, it's based on a graphic novel of the same name by Simon Stalinhog. I just need the sequel to be The Electric State Boogaloo 2. And <laughs> I will be okay with that. Um, uh, you know, I like Millie Bobby Brown. I don't. I don't think she's been proven to be great. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the yeah, stuff in Stranger yeah. Things is very good. Some of it is not. And um, I liked Enola Holmes more than I didn't. Uh, I I, there is, there's a sequel coming out. Um, they are making Enola Holmes too. Uh, you know, she has she has either really good agents and or parents, or she's super smart herself because she is producing a lot of the stuff that she's coming out with like so she's not just you know a kid actor getting tossed from role to role like she's getting her name on all sorts of elements of yeah. the film production i think her dad's so, her dad's her manager so yeah she's she's I, I think pretty cemented in the industry even if her movies don't do well but yeah i'm in for it you know i i i like pratt i don't love him i i was really hot on him for a minute and it's definitely cooled down after the last two jurassic world movies <laughs> um but you know, I, I think he's got charisma. Um, and when he's used well, like as Star-Lord or uh, my favorite, Andy Dwyer on Parks and Rec, I think he's very, very lovable. So I don't know. I never watched the the Amazon movie he did, um, like Pandemic oh, Time. Um, uh, that I, I do not remember what I it's called. I did, and I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why I didn't watch it. Is, uh, most I can't of my remember it. Watch it. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I'll, I'll give it a go, potentially. Um <laughs> Well, that's the beauty of Netflix is this, and, I'm, and I know I've just said, oh, I'm glad some films get theatrical, even if this was theatrical, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I wouldn't give it a, I, I wouldn't rush out to see it necessarily, but I don't, I don't know why there's something about it, but the fact that it's on Netflix and I can just sit at home and spend, you know, tw- two hours, whatever, and I can watch it. I've always said that that is the huge benefit of streaming films is that, yeah, you don't lose anything other than time. You haven't got to, you haven't got to go out. You haven't got to spend money on gas or petrol, which is of the minimum at the minute. Uh, popcorn yeah, or geez. just a drink if that's what you want, or even anything else. You know, just sit at home, watch it. And if it really is dire, then you can just turn it off without having to flounce out the cinema. But I don't. This to me, this has. I, I can already imagine that it's going to be a, a kind of generic, almost like ponderous type film but i haven't read the graphic novel so if anybody out there has read uh, simon stalin hogg's graphic novel the electric state and can recommend it then do let us know because maybe it will change my uh idea 
of this film that hasn't even come out yet. But uh, yeah, I'm just interested in your thoughts on the Russo brothers' use of the streaming system, my friend. But that's my headline. What about you? Um, so my headline is about a small little movie that's in theaters right now called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. <laughs> um, it's a new A24 film and is possibly the first family-friendly A24 film. I think so. Uh, it it that's still pushing it. It's it's there's a couple of jokes that the kids won't fully get that I like. If, <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know what a hardy hair is, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard said. Um, I really loved this movie i got to go see it at a critic screening a couple weeks ago um i was not familiar with the shorts i would heard of that about it's them before YouTube, seeing isn't it. It? it is and i've yeah. watched them now uh, i've watched a couple of them now i think there's three uh like th- i think it used to be several like sh- very shorts and then they condense them into like a three minute like compilation gotcha. um so i've watched two of those and i found them to be just as uh endearing and, and cute jenny slate is phenomenal uh, but Isabella Rossellini is is playing the grandmother shell, and it gives such an incredible voice performance. It's one of these movies where it reminds us that the Oscars need to give away best voice performance in a movie. Yes. Um, it needs to be a thing because um, Isabella Rossellini deserves the award uh, hands down. Not to say Jenny Slate shouldn't get an award as well, but um, Isabella just like the amount of emotion and, and nuance in her voice performance is insane, but it's such a good movie and it's not playing everywhere. It's getting a slow expansion. So it'll be in more theaters each week. Um, but I just, it's such a charming, fun, feel good movie that has some real deep, like existential stuff uh, built into it. It it's, charming and i i go to a lot of the same uh, a lot of the same critics are at screenings that i go to and i'm not going to name this one critic but there's one critic who is definitely the most like professional of all the critics that are at my <laughs> screenings and he does it uh he has this like stoic very very much feels like the dude from ratatouille like this you know like i'm here to do my job and I've, I don't think I've ever heard him laugh at a movie until Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and that's not to say he's never laughed, but I've never heard him laugh. Yes, yeah. And I, I, I heard a laugh. He was in front of me and I heard a laugh and I like looked over and I watched and I'm like, oh man, that's really him. He's laughing. He's enjoying this movie. Um, I, I thought it was so charming and so optimistic and so, um, relevant to the world where we currently are living in and it's just and it's a shell no explanation as to why it talks or why it eats or anything but you know what i didn't need it i was wrapped up in the world of the film and i really thought it was great um so highly recommend it and that was uh, caught my eye because it's doing pretty well it's it's uh it's again it's not in a lot of markets but i thought it was an easy way to kind of plug this movie um Mm -hmm. as a headline so uh matt do you have plans to see this I do now. $170,000 on six screens in New York and LA. That ain't bad at all, my friend. Um, the, the last film critic I saw laugh at a film that hard was uh, Mark Kermode, and he was laughing at Halloween Kills. Well, I think he was laughing oh. at the film rather than yeah. anything that happened on screen. So shout out to Mark Kermode. Um, so first question, my friend. Uh, this is based on uh, YouTube shorts and books. How long is this film? Um, I, it's under two hours, but I think it's, I think it's more than an hour and a half. I will confirm this, uh, as you, uh, tell me why. So <laughs> tell you why. Yeah, no, I, I, I just kind of sometimes worry about short films or short concepts, which are expanded out into feature films mm. or whatever, whether they can stick that landing or not. I will say they, they nail the landing. Uh, oh, they, yeah. they find a really good, um, 
way of of making their it's 90 minutes exactly i apologize oh sweet um, sweet spot but they find a really good uh device to make the story f- uh flow um it's i wouldn't say it's episodic but because the 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 main arc is from beginning to end yeah. but there are breaks from the story that feel a little more episodic we're like we're gonna deviate from the main story for this event that it comes from the main story but it's definitely like a side quest almost you gotcha. know? um but it i think it, it all flows together quite well and um yeah it, it's actually it's quite impressive that they were able to find it that way uh find a way to, to turn it into that you know without it feeling too long or whatever but yeah no i absolutely would like to see this i'm just checking in the background uh if there's as even when there's going to be a uk, UK release because i know at the yeah. minute it's People are loving this film at the minute, but um, it's getting a, it's getting a nationwide release in the United States on July the fifteenth. So I'd, I'd imagine around that point it will it will be released limited over here, or uh, oh, then again a twenty four because sometimes I've a couple of weeks as we know with um with men and stuff like that can sometimes be a bit later over here. But uh, no, I'm absolutely digging. I think Rosa Salazar in this film as well. But I um. I agree with you on the voice acting kind part because for the many years people have said, you know, Andy Serkis, why is he not being recognized or, yeah. you know, performance captures should be recognized because it is acting. I mean, just look at the damn apes films uh, and voice acting at the same time as well. I mean, people will say, well, what, what about animation? But it's not, it's not uh, animated films aren't always, you know, voice acting isn't just betrothed to them. It's, you can have voice acting in many types of films. Uh, so I agree with you, like voice acting and performance capture, that kind of stuff, however they want to name it, I think needs to be recognized in some way, shape or form by the, by the Academy. Cause it's, you know, it, it, it's not like it's a new concept and it's something which has been around for the longest time, especially voice acting. I think it's about time that we, we honor the people there. Cause, and, and again, voice actors are sometimes looked down upon, because they're just sat there, voice actors. You know, we, we don't we don't see them. We don't see them emote or portray or a character or their performances. But I said before, I think voice acting at times is possibly even more challenging than like live action. Because live action, you ha- you can emote with your face, your eyes, your mouth, your hands, your body. You can't do that in voice acting. It's just your voice. You know, you can do it in a studio, but it's got to come across if just your voice is the instrument. So well, I totally agree with what you say on that, and yeah, no, I, you know, I'm an A24 fan. Yeah, even even if they don't always hit the mark for me, they do more often than not. I love the creativity, I love the bold, brave uh, nature of the studio, and taking a a YouTube short and a kids book and turning it into a 90 minute film about well a shell that has shoes on mm-hmm. that is innovative, and that's very much up my street. I hope I love it as much as everybody else. And yeah, when it comes to the UK, I'll be sure to check it out, JB. I recommend it, sir. So those are the headlines for the week. Um, let's get into what we've been consuming since the last, probably not since the last time we recorded, because it's been a couple of weeks since we last recorded, but um, at least what we've been consuming that we want to mention here on the show. I have a lot of stuff, but fortunately, we're going to start with Matt. Uh, Matt, what media have you been consuming since the last time we spoke, or at least, you know, that you want to share? On the show. Um, right. Well, there was films from Tribeca, and this is really awful, but I've forgotten what they were. So I saw quite a few films from Tribeca, which I thought were quite good, but I forgot what they were. Therefore, I haven't listed them. That's my bad. Because I haven't been feeling very well, John, as you will know, and as the listeners know. Um, so I've been a bit doolally, and I haven't been uh, certainly out really watching as many films I'd like to. I managed to catch The Black Phone, which uh, I know you did, and I know we're going to be talking about next week. So I'm not going to say anything about 
uh, that film, Scott Derrickson, Ethan Hawke. I'm not going to say anything about that, but I caught it. I watched it. I also watched Ghostbusters, the original, because, oh, um, as I say to John, you know, feel-good films or comfort films sometimes work the best. So I, I watched Ghostbusters and gave me the feels each and every... And then John knows, and everybody listens. It's not new, but it, it never is timeless for me. It never gets old. The jokes never become unfunny. The timing of the characters and their delivery never gets old. Um, so Ghostbusters is a film that I can sit down and watch all day, every day, and you know, quite frankly, just never get bored at. Um, uh, I watched a couple which I haven't got on the list. I watched Sinister because I bought that on Blu-ray. Scott Derrickson again. Uh, I watched that. I think it's Scott Derrickson. It's Ethan Hawke. I know that. Sorry. Um, it is. Yep. I watched that film, and I think that's a very solid modern horror film. I, some, I sometimes think it gets overlooked in the pantheon of more recent films. Uh, and I also watched The Breakfast Club because I have that on Blu-ray. So I thought I'd watch... Ah. Uh, uh, I wouldn't, oh, well, to be fair, I want to say an oldie, but as I was reminded by a meme yesterday, in eight years' time, the 80s will be 50 years ago. So it is an oldie, The Breakfast Club yeah. now. So um, I watched that. I also watched the season finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, part six, which wrapped up the limited series. So there is rumblings of a second season underway. And... The way, again, I know it's been out for a while now, but I won't spoil it, but the way that this season ended, I don't think you need a second season. Would I like one? Of course I would. You know, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan is, is perfection. You know, seeing the characters again would be would be everything. But, you know, the way that Deborah Chow wrapped everything up at the end, you know, there's there's one or two strands which need to be remedied going forward of certain characters and their fate, but... For the most part, I think we could now leave the story and be like, right, for the next ten years, nine years, this is what Obi Wan was up to up until we meet him in you know, Rebels and a New Hope. I think we're good. Obviously, I'd want some more. And part six, I think, I think part six was uh, excellent. I think it was fantastic. As a Star Wars fan, I think it was great. It it got me right in the feel. Some of the emotional beats in it, some of the visuals were fantastic. Um, the music f- was good. Uh, and yeah, I think it got quite emotional towards the end of it. So part six for me was good. Um, and then finally I watched, sorry, I read and listened to the latest Star Wars novel called Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher. I got sent a copy of that and then listened to it on audiobook, like I always do. Um, it's set between, uh, it's set 13 years before The Force Awakens. So it follows Luke Skywalker, Lando Calrissian. And it's basically, unofficially but it, it you know i think part of the remit of the author was look we need you to we need you to kind of fill in a lot of the blanks from the rise of skywalker here <laughs> you know like race parents and like the guy who killed him the you know and, and other, 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 the dagger and exegol you know kind of make you know sort of sort us out do us a solid and make it good basically and mm. the shadow of the sith is an excellent star wars but again no you know no bias attached to it it made me want to watch the rise of Skywalker again. I reviewed it for the site and that's literally what I said. I said, it's taken me a long time to muster up the courage to say that. But now that we've got this backstory for these characters or knowledge of, you know, why was Lando on that planet persona just sitting there? What was he doing? Um, You know, why was Ochi's ship there? What happened to Ray's, who are Ray's parents and all this kind of stuff. The book tells you and it does its job. It's, you know, it's, it's a fantastic uh, developmental book which does enhance the rise of Skywalker tenfold that film will always have its flaws don't get me wrong it hasn't suddenly made the rise of Skywalker a great film but it kind of it softens some of the blows of 
some of the moments in it that had me scratching my head somewhat. But um, yeah, so basically due to not feeling too great, I haven't been watching all that much on in terms of film and TV. I did want to watch The Boys. I did want to catch up on Stranger Things, but I couldn't get my head around sitting down and watching them. I did watch Miss Marvel though, and it's not my favourite Marvel series, but I think it's pr- pretty good. It's fine, but... Um, what about you, though, JB? I know you've been a busy boy again and yeah. um, uh, not under the weather, so you've had more time. Well, I'm on summer break. Um, I summer have, break. I did have a yearbook workshop uh, last week, though, that slowed me down a little bit. And as you mentioned, I needed some comfort movies, so I had to go back to the, the, the well. I've also, um, uncharacteristically, I've decided to dive into a few different series, um, some that I've been watching and some that uh, I've been putting off. So Blank Check just finished the Doctor uh, Strange Multiverse of Madness Whoa. episode, meaning we have finished the Sam Raimi filmography um and they're moving on to bob fossey next uh so it's a very short uh one but there's some big movies on it that i haven't seen including um all that jazz is a movie that's been on my gap list for a very long time so i'm very excited to finally watch that and i've been wanting to rewatch cabaret i saw that as a kid and i've not seen it as an adult so i watched it um i don't think we've done an astrology for that year but i've watched it in the last three or four years i know that um but movies um saw the black phone which again we're going to be talking about next week um because we're not going to do uh minions rise of Gru. although i think i am going to end up seeing that movie but um i will too i was excited uh to find out that paramount plus uh did a new beavis and butthead movie which is currently streaming on paramount plus beavis and butthead do the universe um i was a real big beavis and butthead fan as a kid like probably too young i think i was watching beavis and butthead and um I really like this new movie. Uh, it does some interesting things to get them up to, to the, like current time. Uh, and I believe it's setting up a potential rerun of the series like that. We're going to get new episodes set today um, in a way that is interesting. Uh, I won't spoil the movie, but I think it's worth checking out. Um, I'm pretty sure I'd never watched Jackass three all the way through. Yeah, and, uh, I watched that also on Paramount plus uh, very much. Um, it's i think three gets a little gross i feel like they were doing a lot more like puke and poop mm-hmm. jokes which is why i think i skipped it before but uh it was still fun to go and rewatch it was wild to rewatch it after seeing jackass forever um because uh ryan dunn was still alive in jackass three of course and, and bam, bam was still a part of the group yeah so like those two guys being in it were it was kind of uh reminiscent and like nostalgic for me um i would i did watch jackass 4.5 which is all of the the deleted scenes basically from forever uh which is on netflix right now and there's some really funny stuff that didn't make it to the final movie um i love jackass forever i it was just the right thing and i kind of needed like silly goofy that's why i went to jackass 3 and uh, those movies are just fun to throw on uh, <laughs> paramount plus actually has the original tv series to stream too I haven't done that yet, but I'm kind of curious about diving back into that because that was like my freshman year of college when it came out. So, yeah, um, I already talked about how much I love Marcel the Shells with Shoes on, but I watched that last week. Uh, Groundhog Day rewatched. Uh, I've seen that movie many, 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 many times, but I needed the Bill Murray sarcasm. And could say, um, and then I am a huge fan of Paul Rudd, and uh, I think my favorite Paul Rudd comedy is Role Models. But I love you, man, is up there. Um, I don't know if you've seen, I love you, man, Matt, but it's, yeah, it's man. him and Jason Siegel. I, I just, I, there's so many funny moments in this movie and so many quotable lines in this film um, that most people don't know. Cause a lot of people seem like they didn't see this movie, but 
I love it. Um, I think him and Jason Siegel have tremendously great chemistry and uh, I love their bromance. I just, I, I absolutely adore that film and it was fun rewatching it. Um, what about Paul Rudd in Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers? Surely that's your favorite Paul Rudd performance. I, you know what? I don't dislike him in it. I don't think it's a good movie, uh, but I, I, Paul Rudd's one of my favorite actors. Like that dude just like always, Paul. always works for me. Um, the boys, uh, I'm up to date. Uh, I've, I've, yes, I've seen the hero gasm episode. Oh, Holy cow. That. That's a wild episode. Um, I haven't seen any of part C- season three yet. And I feel like, um, flogging myself because I need to watch it. Dude. Season three is wild. Um, I have to say, uh, it's, it's interesting how they've continued to develop the story. Um, it's biting social commentary is on the nose, but still biting. Um, does it feel uh, like a natural progression or because I haven't seen any of it or does it feel like they're now starting to just go go mad or does it still feel you know like it did in the first two seasons where it had a I think it still feels like it's it makes sense it is going they're going more extreme mm-hmm. um and apparently though like I don't I've read the omnibus which I think is like the first six episodes sorry issues of the comic yeah um which isn't very deep like it's not and it's not I was shocked at how different the comic is to the show. Um, there's like, there's direct references from the comic, but it's also like the comics doing its own thing. The show is doing its own thing. They are, there are parallels, but it's also, it's, it's got its own agenda. Yeah. Um, some of the, like apparently hero gasm is a very popular issue of the comic and people were shocked that they were doing it. And I understand why having now seen the episode, it is a shocking episode. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of stuff in it. Um, and that's, I think, true of the whole season. Like, I think the violence has been increased, which is saying something because it's pr- pretty violent from the get go. I mean, the yes. first opening scene of season one is is his girlfriend being like exploded. Like, it's it's always been pretty gory, but um, it's it's pretty extreme in this. Uh, I like a lot of the new characters they've added, though. It's it's I'm looking forward to the next episode. No, I'm looking forward to sitting down and watching it. Um, I'm up to date on Miss Marvel, so there's four episodes out. I've seen all four. Uh, I'm a big fan of this show. I, it's maybe one of my favorite Marvel shows, but partly because it's it's such a small scale and family oriented show that I'm really Very enjoying much. all of the characters. Yeah, I I like I, I like the aspect of it because I've always been one of those people. Well, whether it's Marvel, Star Wars, DC, whatever that, not everything has to have, end with the impending Armageddon mm-hmm. or something like that. Sometimes smaller is better, and that's one of the things I do like about Miss Marvel is is that uh that faith-based family-based aspect of the show but something isn't grabbing me at the minute maybe the final few episodes will i I hope so um i i finished obi-wan uh there's some really good stuff in the ending i still have some things that i'm like eh. but overall positive uh better than book of boba fett i think overall um And then I finally decided to start Midnight Mass after so many people said it was great. Mike Flanagan has continued to uh, impress me with everything I've seen. I've watched uh, episode one and two, and I really, really want to finish the series. So I, I'm, I'm definitely hooked. Um, it's it's very good. Uh, it's super interesting. And I, I kind of wish I didn't. I already knew. I, the twist hasn't even happened yet, but I already know like one of the, the big reveals. Um so I'm a little bummed. I kind of wish I didn't know that, but you know, uh, it's still like, it's still very engaging, even though I know what's coming. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been consuming. Any, uh, any comments or questions, Matt? Um, no, other than the fact that I really like 
Midnight Mass. That is one of the streaming series I actually sat down to watch. Uh, I think it, I thought it was great. I don't, again, there's, there's a certain moment in it I think we're going to get to, which sits pretty much on the episode, but a big old sequence, which is incredible, powerful moment in it. Uh, a long kind of scene. It's incredible. Uh, and, I, and that's one of the reasons why I love that show so much is the, the, is the character-driven moments, but the fact that Flanagan just sits sits us with these characters and lets them just talk, just get it all out there. So um, Midnight Mass is great. Uh, Obi-Wan was better than The Book of Boba Fett, so I'll, I'll give you that. The boys I need to watch. And um, last question is, uh, blank check, did they like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? They were more up on it than... Uh us but they also definitely were acknowledging the i think their argument was that um this they love the sam raimi of it all mm-hmm. but i think they're kind of burnt out on marvel in general so like the marvel like stuff the 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 references those things didn't work for them either but like they loved all the sam raimi stuff nope that's fair enough my friend and uh another decent haul from you this week i expect no less yeah, probably too much. Um, I probably should be doing more stuff that's not watching TV and movies. <laughs> but um, anywho, uh, that basically concludes our episode. But before we go, especially because Matt has been under the weather, I have to check him. I got to make sure he's keeping his bloody awesome levels up. Otherwise, who knows what can happen. So, Matt, what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome? Uh, originally, it was you know not being ill. Uh, finally starting to feel a bit better now. But um, instead today... Uh, I managed to snare somehow tickets for Star Wars Celebration in London 2023. Oh, it's nice. coming home. It's finally coming back to the UK after six years. Um, so I managed to get four day tickets, uh, a four day ticket. Uh, and uh, apparently I got my ticket and within about a minute, all of those four day tickets had gone. So I got very lucky, but it's something to look forward to. It's something to start planning for. I know that a lot of, um, our friends are going and sessions fans are going or listeners and not the word yeah, fans listeners are ask, going when i went to the celebration in orlando back in 2017 i think it was yes sir um they had i, I actually sat in on like two or three different podcast recordings are you guys going to try to do a live recording we well they have to have it what well, usually they have the podcast stage uh which is yeah. what you would have said but now they've got something so well the short answer yes but uh they've got something new now where uh, they're going to open the floor for podcasters and, and YouTubers and um, oh. something else as well. So I don't know if that's because they're worried that the UK hasn't got enough podcasters, but um, I do think that Luke, Disney Lucasfilm are going to treat the non-US fans differently. They, you know, sometimes they do, and they've already done that with their ticketing, which I think was disgusting. They basically they they, they announced it as in London, and then they've given us they gave us three days. They said that on Monday, I think it was. Oh, by the way, tickets are going to sale on Thursday. It's three days. Here's the prices. None of them include VAT. None of them include any taxes or anything, which is not how, which is not how we do it over here. Everything is included in the price. That's, ah. you know, that's the legality over here. So that's already not gone down too well. But three days, man. I mean, you've got to give people longer than that. Over here in the UK, there's a cost of living crisis. You know, people can't afford to eat. Yet they're saying, look, spend three, 200 quid on four-day tickets. We're going to give you three days, though. Three days to save that money up. And if you've got a family... It sucks to be you, but you're going to have to cough it up in three days because they will go and they have sold out the major main tickets. So I think that was awfully handled. But um, yeah, we'd like to. Well, we, I'd like to think we could get on that podcast stage because of our you know, being British and doing quite well over here. But 
if we don't, then I'm sure there'll be a good reason for it. But I know they're expanding now to allow other formats on. So maybe they'll want more video this year. But we'd certainly like to get on the stage. We certainly think we can do. And if we if we can, it it will be a hell of an experience. You know, being on a stage at celebration, it will be yeah. A dream. I don't want to think about it too much in case they, in case we don't get it. But you know, I'd like to think that we would do. But it, it, there's a different way of applying this year. But uh, but no, it's something to look forward to. Like I say, you know, we're looking we're looking forward to seeing listeners and people coming from all around the world to celebration looking forward to hanging out with them and you know it's whatever we all think or people think about the new series or the latest films or you know the fans what the online fans the you know the ones who congratulate each other about the noxious fumes of their body odor those freaks um (laughs) the celebration is just that it's fans who are there to have fun to celebrate and to get together and enjoy this geeky thing we all know and love you know it doesn't matter if you like the last jedi or not let's just have fun anyway so i'm looking forward to that kind of social side of it more as like john not always the most social person me but when it comes to something i'm interested in i can't wait man so uh I don't want to say it's been a crappy week because I've only had a cold, but you know, you know what it's like. You can't go out and do things, but so it's quite nice at the end of it to be lucky enough and privileged enough to be able to get be in a position to get those tickets today and have something to look forward to uh, about something which I very much enjoy, my friend. But um, what about you? It's, um, I'm I'm am sad that you're you're not able to come over, but one day I'll come to MegaCon in Orlando or something, and we'll we'll drink Blue Moon and look at pop culture stuff. It definitely, definitely. Um, for myself, I've been staying bloody awesome uh, by attending arcade restaurants. Um, I don't know if this is a thing in the UK, but it, it's we have a, a big franchise here uh, that I've not gone to uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but my yearbook workshop in the past, uh, when we do the workshop, they give us tickets to a theme park because of costs and things have gotten out outrageous. It, this year we got um, cards uh, like uh, time cards to go to an arcade restaurant thing mm-hmm. that was right next to uh, the Daytona speedway where our workshop was this year. And so I got to take my four students and my uh, other teacher uh, to the arcade. We all had two hour game cards. So we were able to play games, not win tickets, but we could play games for two hours Um basically unlimited though like you swipe the card you play the game there was a cool ghostbusters like shooting game where you sit down at a bench and like you have like a proton pack essentially um and that was all right uh played a bunch of other games with them you know basketball games ski ball games all those all the arcade favorites um it was a lot of fun and then uh last night um my daughter and i went to see thor love and thunder at a critic screening nice and uh it was on the best imax screen in the state um at a really awesome regal theater uh, that used to be this awesome hub of all these like uppity hipster type restaurants mm-hmm. that l- did not bode well after the pandemic. A lot of the stuff there has shut down. There's almost no shops anymore. And it's it's kind of like walking around a ghost town. And I've been to the theater twice since the pandemic uh, for other screenings. Um, I saw everything everywhere all at once here. And it's, it's kind of, there's not really anywhere to eat. That's not either really expensive or like really slow where you're going to, it's going to be like, you're not going to get out in time for the movie kind of thing. Um, but there is this uh, game arcade restaurant thing underneath. I'd never been in before. And I just kind of assumed it would be expensive. They also have like a bowling alley and there's like a ropes course that you can do like above all the arcade games. Like if you were inclined to do that and then um, they have pool tables mm-hmm. and I've never walked in. I never even looked at the prices, but uh, in preparation of going, I was trying to figure out what we should do. I looked it up and found out that it was pretty reasonably priced. And the thing I thought was really cool Let's say if you got a burger and fries, it's like 12 bucks, right? Yep. 
they had a deal where you got a $30 game card. So uh, $30 worth of tokens on the, your card because everything's cards now. Mm-hmm. And the food for like 36 bucks. So that $12 burger becomes a $6 burger with $30 of, of gaming. I'm like, well, that sounds like a cool afternoon. So we'll go up yes. there about five. We'll, we'll eat dinner. And then we'll, uh, we'll play games until it's time to go to the movie. And if the movie gets out in time, which it, I didn't realize, I thought the place closed at like 10, but it doesn't close till midnight. So we actually had way more time than we needed. But we got out of the movie, we went back downstairs and we played for, we used the rest of our, uh, our tokens. And then we had, we had like a thousand tickets. So we got a few little, you know, janky prizes. But uh, my daughter and I had a really good time. And uh, the food was actually quite good. I got boneless wings and some fries. Um, and she got chicken strips and fries. And, it was all really good. We had a really nice waiter, super cool, chill guy. And Orlando, five o'clock is not dinner time for most people, so it wasn't busy at all when we got there. Um, so it was, it was nice. Like twice in one week, I've I've gone to like an arcade restaurant thing and uh, had a blast at both times. Um, so, uh, and neither of them, the both are chains, but neither of them are the big chain. I don't want to name drop the big chain, but I think if you live out here, you're thinking arcade restaurant. There's one that comes in mind. It's two dudes' names. Neither of these uh, were that that chain. So uh, it was fun seeing what these other ones have to offer because I feel like the two guys' name overpriced like so much, and these other ones <laughs> felt much more reasonably priced for the food. So that's how I've been saying bloody awesome. Matt is going to arcades and eating food. <laughs> well, that sounds like a hell of a way to say bloody awesome. Uh, we do have kind of we do have those kind of theme restaurants over here, or um, arcade restaurants, or. Uh, or retro gaming restaurants, pop culture restaurants, stuff like that. Uh, I just don't frequent them enough, but kind of feel like I should know after hearing that. So, I, I you know what? It, it's uh, like Olivia's at that age now because they have they have good you know like kid options. Usually, it's chicken fingers and fries. I mean, ha- that will sort her out a treat. Yeah, uh, and then like the arcades, the the games are crazy price because you never know how many credits it's going to take like with these cards because like in the, when we were kids it was like 50 cents uh, maybe a dollar for like some of the more popular games but it was always like very clear what it was now they're like 8.5 credits it's like why are you taking half a credit like don't you're gonna make it where i'm gonna end up with like half a credit left on this card and that's <laughs> annoying um but um yeah uh that's it folks that's it we are gonna move to talking about next week we're gonna be back talking about that scott derrickson film the black phone matt and i have already seen it but you maybe we'll see it again before that because i really liked it uh spoiler um we'll be back to talk about that movie next week because we're not going to cover minions rise of groove sorry folks we know our cartoon episodes have been some of our more popular episodes maybe Somehow, we should yeah. be doing the Groove episode but <laughs> i've got a feeling i'll be made to watch that with olivia i know i'm going to see Lightyear again before the next episode i'm taking olivia to see that this weekend because she loves a toy story film so yes um i'm not sure if i'll be able to fit a double bill in but i'm sure we'll watch the rise of Gru at some point well, you know, there it is. Um, but in the meantime, folks, you can follow us on social media on Instagram. We're bloody awesome movie pod and Twitter. We are at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And on Facebook, if you still use that, uh, just search bloody awesome movie podcast. Basically, you just see what we post on Instagram there. But nevertheless, um, <laughs> individually, you can follow us. Uh, I'm at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. And Matt, where can they find you? You can find me what I watch tonight.co.uk and just search what I watch tonight across all the socials, including Letterboxd. 
And if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you take just a moment and rate and review the show. It helps other people find us. We will not be back with a spoiler episode for this because we talked all there is to talk about Elvis. We will probably have a spoiler episode for the Black Phone, though, because that mm-hmm. requires some additional diving into. Yes. Um, but with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 blood,